You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. We're going to be uh, doing a series. I'm not going to say how long it's going to be, maybe a couple weeks, uh, a couple midweeks here, leading up to our revival. And we're going to be looking at uh, the issue of media and navigating media. I was here, I guess it was uh, Tuesday night. I can't remember. I think it was before Christmas on a prayer uh, evening. So I think it was the full week before Christmas. We were here on Tuesday night. And uh, was just praying up here at the altar. And I, I really felt a prompting from the Lord that I just needed to talk about media and that we needed to talk about it. We needed to handle it and uh, just address it again in our life. And so I'm talking about this. I've talked about this a lot um, as pastor. Uh, I think this would be my third time to intentionally uh, teach or talk on media in the last five and a half years or so. Um, as a youth evangelist, uh, privileged to do many camp meetings. And uh, in, the, in the latter part of the years that I was uh, people aren't calling me for camp meetings, youth camps anymore. I guess that shows, shows my age. But in, in the last uh, several years, I don't know, six, seven years that I was doing youth camps specifically, I often would teach on media and talk about media. So I, I don't want to repeat uh, some things that I've already discussed here, although the information that I have shared is ever more relevant probably to us today as well. So we'll talk about that and I'll, uh, I'll reference some things that maybe you can go back and look at. But uh, why are we talking about this? Well, this is a good time to talk about this because we are in, in the first week of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And thank you for everyone that has joined us. Uh, I know we did a sign up in the private group in Facebook. Not everybody's in there. Not everybody's on Facebook. And so that makes it a little bit difficult for some. Uh, and I know many have been texting the church and telling us the days that you are taking to pray and fast. We just want every day covered. And uh, thank you for joining. If you can't get on Facebook, if you can't figure out how to text, just pick a day. And I'm asking everyone in the church, if in these next three weeks, just take a day, if you can, that you can pray and fast specifically for revival, for the things of God, here, and we're leading up to a series of revival nights, the last Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of the month. We're going to have revival services, Lord willing, whether it's in person or online. Amen. I believe the Holy Ghost is going to speak to us, and I'm ready for God to speak into my life. I want God to show me some new things. I want God to give me some new challenges, and I want Him to sort of uh, direct me, give me a new direction, maybe some effort where we can push a little bit harder. And one of the areas that can be so disruptive to the voice of God is the area of media. In the psalm, David writes, and he says, Surely you have delivered me from the snare of the fowler, and he says, and from the noisome pestilence. There is a noise that can go that becomes so uh, intense that 
it, it, it causes you not to be able to focus on anything else. All right. Uh, we, we use a sound machine uh, every night to uh, go to sleep. We didn't, I never used to use a fan or a sound machine, but I use a sound machine now. And uh, when we first started using sound machines, we, uh, before we bought the sound machine, we used the apps on the phone and we would set the sound machine. And not all sound machines are equal. And a, and a sound machine takes a, a, uh, a recorded or a manufactured sound and it plays it continually on repeat. And sometimes, I don't know if it's subconsciously or whatever, but when it's absolutely silent and you have the sound machine on, you can start hearing the rhythm of the sound machine. And you're trying to go to sleep, but your mind is kept awake by that rhythm. And all of a sudden, you're anticipating that, that next rhythm. And, and uh, so I have to have some kind of a sound machine that's erratic and whatever and just sort of puts me out. But there's this noisome pestilence, and it, it, it gets into your mind. And you cannot focus, and you cannot think about anything else because there's this rhythm or this, this just constant chirping. If you've ever been... Uh, uh, camping out in, in, in the wild and the crickets start going, they can get so loud in the middle of the night that they wake you up and you're trying to get away from, I remember I grew up in, uh, the, the inner city in Indianapolis, not a massive city, but decent city, million and a half. And I was in the inner city and I grew up, I went to sleep, but the trains and the, uh, the, uh, ambulance and the police that put me to sleep. So, so when I started the sound machine, I didn't want a fan. I wanted that city noise where, you know, it's all, that's what put me to sleep. But I went camping to get away from all the city and to get out into the peace and all of a sudden, the crickets are louder than the trains and the sirens, especially when they get right next to your tent. And you can't think about anything else. David says, you've delivered me from the noisome pestilence. And it is possible to have so much noise in our life. Right. Hear me tonight. It's possible to have so much noise in our life that we can't hear what the Spirit is saying. So he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So I want us to stand real quick together. We're going to ask the Lord to bless us in these next few moments tonight of prayer. And I'm going to ask the Lord to be with us. Would you lift your voice with me, Lord, in Jesus' name? I thank you, God, for the honor of your presence. I thank you for the power of your word. And I pray tonight. God, that your spirit would speak into our heart. This would not be my opinions or my ideals, but let your word cut to our heart. And I pray that you would admonish us. And I pray that you would instruct us and help us, God, to be better soldiers in the kingdom of God for your glory's sake. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, everybody say, I'm ready to receive it. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. I want to talk to you, and this is the title that I've selected here tonight, and that is Sheep Among Wolves. Sheep Among Wolves. It's not the context that this passage of Scripture was given in. There was no mediums of social media of the day, let's say. But Jesus did send his followers out and he said, behold, I send you as sheep 
among wolves. And so here we are in a world that is rather obviously full of wolves, things that would devour, things that would be problematic for your life. I, I, I think it's a podcast from two years ago, and you can go back and you can check this. You can find it on um, the podcast app, uh, SoundCloud and the other ones. I can't remember all the other podcast app out there that we use, but uh, why media matters. And it's about an hour long Bible study that I gave right here in this room a couple years ago, why media matters. And I share a little bit of science and some scripture. I'm not going to repeat those things tonight, but I want to talk to us about navigating media. In some ways, as you get older, it is always natural to think, wouldn't it just be nice to go back, to go back in time when things were easier? But the reality is, is that the true problem is never the time in which we're alive, but the problem is that sinful man messes everything up. And it is sin that distorts, and it is sin that pollutes. And we can't go back. We cannot go back. And so we, we can hope uh, uh, all we want, but it will not change. So we have to deal with it, and we have to go forward. Sheep among wolves. I'm talking about navigating media. By that, media is simply a medium by which people communicate to one another. But the medium, as Marshall McLaughlin said, the medium in some way does become the message it changes the message. Whenever you displace the human interaction, the human voice, the body language that is present with presentation, the medium does distort or it takes and puts parameters upon the message. Today, we are at an all-time high of media, mediums. Obviously, I don't have to speak the obvious to us, screens. So I'm talking about media, media as, as we receive information, as we interact with other people, whether it's through television, internet, computer, the phone, the iPad, whether it's an app, it's social media, even email will change the message a little bit. It's not the same. So how do we navigate media? Because it is so destructive. And the testimonies and the stories of the effects of media upon individuals and upon society, libraries are full of them. It's not preachers, hear me, it's not preachers that are usually the loudest about the danger of media. It's psychologists and sociologists. It's people, counselors that are dealing with this hands-on. Largely, many times they are agnostic and even atheistic, and yet they are saying that they are scared and afraid for the lives of the next generation and where we are headed 
because of media, because of the internet, because of the breakdown in social abilities. We are seeing the effects of that in our civilization today. Have we ever seen such rage? Have we ever seen people on edge so much? Have we ever seen people that are uh, 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 youth and, and children that do not know how to interact with one another? Parents are constantly talking about these things. If I was going to sum up everything that I will say over the next few nights on this subject, it would simply be this. It's a quote by God. If it offends you, cut it off. Somebody says that's a pretty good quote. Jesus Christ was God himself. And here's what he said in Matthew 5 and 29 and 30. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. This was spoken after he was speaking about men looking at women to lust after them and having already committed adultery in their heart. He was speaking this to people whom he said are guilty of sin, even though they have not even committed the action bodily. And yet, here in the word of God, he says, if it offends you, cut it off. If it offends you, pluck it out. This is not passage of scripture that we readily go to and we open up in the morning and say, wow, it's going to be a great day now after I read that. Because we have all been guilty of sin in our heart that did not commit yet action in our flesh. Jesus highlights and elevates the reality of sin in any form and how important it is that we not allow sin to corrupt us, even to the point where he says, cut it off, pluck it out. Was Christ intending that we do this? It's not his wish and it's not his desire. But I think if we think about it, if you are willing to say, I can live without my right hand, and you're willing to go through the process of cutting it off, and you have the discipline and the determination to go that far, surely you can have the determination enough to alter your heart and to put parameters around your heart that would keep you from having to go that far. But yet he did make the statement, it's better for you to go into, amen, 
again, it's better for you that one of thy members should perish now than that thy whole body should be cut off from God. So ultimately, if we look at it this way and we all take this to heart and say, look, if it offends me, cut it off. If I can't handle the media that is made accessible in my life, if I can't handle myself responsibly in interacting with media, then maybe I don't need to have media at all, and maybe it's not worth having it in my life. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. So this is the simple Bible solution if you have a problem. Here's my admonishment to you. My admonishment would be this. Have it and redeem it, but take it or leave it. Have it and redeem it, but take it or leave it. What do I mean by that? I mean media is all around us. Media by default is not bad. It is not evil. What makes media corrupt? What makes media, whether it's social media, whether it's things that we watch, whether it's things that we listen to and allow it to come into our heart, what makes it evil is when it was, when it is brought about by evil hearts, when it's brought about by sinners, when it's brought about by things. But have media, allow it to affect your life or not affect your life, but allow Allow it to uh, maybe inform your life to a certain degree, to a certain measure, and then redeem it. Be on social media. I'm on certain social medias. I'm not on all social media. I'm not on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. And they all have, uh, I guess, their weaknesses and their strengths and their dangers. Amen. But uh, there's certain things I'm not on. I don't see certain things. I use it in a certain way that uh, uh, is is uh, beneficial for me as a minister of the gospel and as a Christian. So uh, I was once on uh, uh, Facebook when it first came out and was on there and we had uh, way too many friends uh, on Facebook, people I didn't know. We just connected with everybody. And when we when we left Indiana Bible College after being a campus pastor there for a number of years, we went evangelizing. I bet it was I, I felt it was best just to get off so that when I came to a church to minister, I wasn't uh, having people in that congregation uh, connecting with me and I could just minister freely and not have to worry about anything. But I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I don't fault people for being on that. There are people I think in this room that aren't on certain social medias, people that have been on them, people that have gotten off of them. And you have to do what's right for you. You can take it or you can leave it. I don't live by it. You, you have to uh, uh, not allow it to affect you. And I can tell you this, it does affect us in certain ways. I'm going to talk about four factors that we're going to consider about media, whether it's TV, news, uh, entertainment, uh, social media, whatever. There's four factors that we're going to talk about. Uh, but here's my admonishment as a pastor. Have it and redeem it. I've heard people say, well, you know, I got off Twitter because it's so bad. And all it was was just people fighting and people arguing and all that stuff. But uh, I was really upset a few years ago when Twitter... Uh, started using algorithms to show you what was there before everybody that you were connected to, whenever they posted, it would present it in chronological order. 
But then it started going by algorithms, by who you connect with, what posts you like, what people you interact with, what things you respond to. And those algorithms, I thought, man, this is horrible. I'm missing so much stuff. But I found something out in 2020 that was really interesting. And uh, I don't know. I know Twitter's not getting a lot of uh, positive publicity right now, so I don't want to offend anybody. But an interesting thing is that however the algorithms work, I didn't see all the spewing hatred and all the fighting and everything else. In fact, I noticed that of all the people that I'm connected to and the friends uh, that I'm connected to, I only see, it seems like about a dozen people that post all the time and they're all fellow pastors and they're all sharing stuff and they're, they, they really don't get political. They're just sharing resources and books and admonishments and stuff like that. And so for me, Twitter is a fun place to share resources and connect with people that I already know, and I already have relationships on that. So in that way, while there's a lot of bad things and negative things, people talk about the horrible stuff that they hear and how they get on there, and it's so depressing. I praise God that in somehow, I don't even know that I've done anything, but there is a way that you can redeem social media. There's a way that you can redeem the use of media in your life. Now, maybe you don't have a problem with it, and so you're thinking, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. Talking about, well, God bless you. Amen. But I would say this, you have to be able to take it or leave it. And there are too many people. And when I say people, I mean there are too many apostolics that are addicted to social media. And social media, as we will talk uh, later on, social media is designed to be addictive. It is designed. They understand what they are doing with the dopamine effect of likes and, and shares and all of that other stuff. Now, obviously, we use social media and people are on social media tonight watching this. So it's not all bad. There's positive testimonies that we can talk about. Praise God for church in pandemic. Amen. I know there's a couple people that say a big hearty amen. We have a couple people in our church, a few people in our church that connected over face, uh, uh, Facebook, I think it was, with friends and got online and watched churches and had Bible studies and were baptized in Jesus' name and received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In the middle of the pandemic because of the technology of social media to connect people. I'm going to tell you, that right there is one good way to redeem it. Everything right there. And so we praise God for that, connecting with friends and family around the world on a weekly basis. I am talking to people in other hemispheres, in the southern hemisphere, in the eastern hemisphere, and I'm staying connected, praying with them, sharing things. How awesome is it that we have this ability? When I was a child, I remember my aunt and uncle were missionaries to Pakistan and Sri Lanka, and we would send them a letter, and we'd get to see them once every four or five years, and then they'd send a letter and we'd put care packages and it was so expensive to send that stuff. And now you're just a click away from being able to connect. I was in, I was in Mannheim, Germany, and I'm FaceTiming my newborn baby boy and I'm able to talk. How awesome and how cool is that? So there's obviously some positive testimonies that come from all these things. But then if you turn to the negative stories, where do you start? Where do you start? 
I've dealt in my life, in my ministry, in my time, the issues of spiritual warfare, pornography, and immorality at an all-time high, issues that break into families and homes and marriages, spirits of suicide with youth, children that aren't even old enough to drive, that are not old enough to work, and yet they're being solicited by people, things that they should never know, getting access to stuff that they should never, ever see in their life, getting so addicted to gaming, addicted to gaming, that people buy diapers so they don't have to get up. You think, oh, surely this isn't happening, Pastor. You're talking about something that's so far removed from us. I'm going to tell you, in Asia right now, it's literally an epidemic of, of, of what do we call them? Millennials, I guess, to a certain extent, and even beyond that, of, of men and women that will not even leave their homes because they are nonstop gamers. And it's more than just the game. There's a social community that's going on. And these, these games, by the way, if you're out of touch, they're not playing Frogger. <laughs> if you even know what that is. <laughs> I'm going back to my Atari days here. What was the, what was the, uh, the, the Space Invaders? What was it? Galaga. Galaga. All right. We're getting, we're, we're, we're going back now. This is not what they're playing. These games are beyond what you could think. These games are beyond R rated. They're X rated. Not only are there things that they see, but they partake in the actual acts of things that it is not it is not proper for me to even speak of it's unbelievable it's a sickness psychologists are saying how do we deal with this how do we how do we how do we handle this stuff the ability of uh, the, the depression, the suicide rate in the pandemic, we're coming out now and stats are starting to come out and, and studies are starting to come out and the reports are starting to come out and watch in 21 as it will come out even more. But pornography at an all-time high, higher than ever before. And with that, there goes uh, uh, the depression, the self-hate that is coming. I was just in a conversation with a pastor today, didn't even know that I was dealing with this. The Lord had been praying uh, or, or dealing with this with me in prayer. And he said, I'm dealing right now with the family. He said, it, you would have thought it was the, it, it was somebody that was on fire. They were a good person in the youth group. They, they were just playing seemingly innocent games. This wasn't even the R rated and the X rated stuff, but predators and people started connecting online. They were giving them the cell phone numbers. And now things were coming out. And finally, when they're 
their parents discovered this stuff on their phone. When they saw that stuff, they took it to the pastor. They confronted their teenager and their teenager came in weeping, weeping, hadn't even committed uh, 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 any sinful acts yet, but just from the community that they were in, they were weeping. They said, I hate myself. I hate myself and I don't know how to get out of it. They were saying, thank you. I'm thankful that you finally know. I'm thankful because I'm ha- I've been handling and holding this all alone. God, help us that we don't see what's happening around us and what's going on. Here we come to our text. And here it is in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16. Matthew 6 or 10 rather and 16. And he says this, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. He was speaking to his apostles and he was sending them out. What was he sending them out? He was sending them out as disciples, as Christ, as believers, as preachers of the gospel, as the salt and light of the earth. But he said, when you go out, you're going as sheep among wolves. Why is it that Christ would take his gospel so precious? Why would he take us? And why would he send us out as sheep among wolves? Why wouldn't he send us out as lions? Why wouldn't he send us out as something that is strong and could defend itself? But he sends us out. He sends us out vulnerable and he sends us out susceptible. Why? Because we are not designed to make it without a shepherd. You and I are not designed to make it without a shepherd. Don't make the mistake of coming to church and praying through and speaking in tongues and feeling the power of Holy, the Holy Ghost and then walking out and thinking that you are invincible or that I am invincible. That's the power of God. And when I go out, I go out as sheep among wolves. This world was turned upside down not by lions, but by sheep. This world had revival hit it like never before, not by giants, but by vulnerable, susceptible sheep. Sheep that needed a shepherd. Sheep that have to stay close for safety. Sheep that have to be close enough to hear his voice to know what steps to take. Don't think that we can navigate this world without Jesus Christ, the great shepherd in our life. Do you need the word of God? Absolutely. Amen. Thank God for pastors and prophets and teachers and apostles and evangelists that he gave to the church. But you need Jesus. 
Jesus. I need Jesus. I need the Holy Ghost. I need the voice of God every day. I need God telling me, don't go here. It's okay to go here. Turn this off. It's okay to have this. I need the Lord as a shepherd. I need to stay close to him that when anything comes, amen, they're going to know I can't get them because the great shepherd is there. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We are sheep among wolves. You are so susceptible. Doesn't matter how old and it doesn't matter how young you are susceptible. And we need the Lord's guidance in our heart. So we know the dangers of social media. We know the sin factor. We know the time factor. We know the health factor. We know the safety factor. We're going to talk about these four factors, the realities of that. But we need the Lord Jesus Christ as our great shepherd to help us in every way. Whether it's simply the things that we watch, whether it's for education, whether it's for entertainment, or whether it's for information. Amen. Don't turn your brain off and just take something in. Everything that you get must come through the filter of the Word of God and the Spirit of God that God has given you in your heart. You need a shepherd in your life. Hallelujah. I can't emphasize that enough. You need a shepherd in your life. Amen. Children need parameters. They need boundaries. Why? For their own protection. Because without it, they will injure themselves. They will surely bring themselves to sudden death. So likewise, you ought to set perimeters and boundaries around your children. Why? Because they need a shepherd. And you manifest that to your children when you allow God to set parameters and boundaries around yourself. Parents that have no boundaries will raise up children that know no boundaries. We can't expect our children to have boundaries. We can't expect our children to follow boundaries if we don't follow boundaries ourselves. You are susceptible. You need a shepherd. Number two, he said, be wise. By the way, that was number one. Be, you're susceptible. You need a shepherd. Number two, be wise. Be harmless. So he lets us know that there is wisdom that is needed. We need wisdom. We have to use wisdom. That means there's mental exercise and effort that must be exerted. Be wise. And then he says, be harmless. I find it interesting that he tells sheep to be harmless. <laughs> sheep aren't usually predators. How could sheep cause trouble? How could sheep hurt wolves? The reality is, is that sheep can hurt sheep. Sheep can hurt sheep. Redeem the evils of the internet. Redeem the evils of media through the power of Jesus Christ by being both wise and being harmless. I will tell you this. I believe 2020 just manifests for us who really had relationships with God 
and where those relationships were with the Lord. 2020 manifests for us who really had a prayer life or who wanted a prayer life versus who just put it on the back burner. So with these two things in mind, let's look at four factors to consider. We'll get through maybe one tonight, and then we'll stop. The first factor I would like to talk about is simply this, and that's the sin factor. The sin factor. The mistake in the blind side of media and the mediums of media is that too often we think that because we aren't doing an action, it is okay. So, for instance, whether we're watching something digitally, whether we're watching something visually, we see something and we're not participating in it. We're listening to somebody and we're not participating in it. There is, though, a reality and a real science, which I believe I shared in Media Matters. If I didn't share it then, then I shared it the first time we did the Media Matters, Matters series here. It's probably been four or five years ago now, Brother Kendall Weeks helped me. We shared that together. But the reality is, is that even because, even though you are not acting out a physical act, whenever you watch things, whenever you see things, your brain literally reacts as if it was doing the same thing. Without giving you all of the exhaustive details, they studied, did multiple studies on both chimps and humans and realized why people are so excited at sports venues, even though they're not the one that makes the three-point shot at the buzzer. They're not the one that kicks the game-winning field goal. They're not the one to score the final goal in the last period, the winning goal. When everybody gather around while they're watching it, when it happens, you tune in so much that you tune everything else out and your brain reacts as if it is doing that very thing. That's why television is so powerful. And that's why people will spend, companies and corporations will spend unbelievable amounts, millions of dollars for 30-second and 15-second ads in Super Bowl events and other events because of the power of visual stimulation. I remember as a child growing up, and they started speaking out against tobacco, and they started mandating that the Surgeon General's warning must be on every tobacco ad. And then they said you weren't allowed to use youthful, playful cartoons, caricatures, uh, uh, on that ad. And so they changed the way uh, tobacco was presented. But in their studies, they discovered something. When they changed those ads and they put those ads there, I always thought I, I, I never smoked. Thank God I was raised in a home and I was kept from that. And I never endeavored into that. I, I had friends who did it just to get in with the crowd and they got addicted and they couldn't get rid of it. And, and uh, thank God I, I, I never had to work, worry about that. But 
the ads, the Surgeon General warning so big. In fact, it's almost like there's a full page ad and all it is is the warning there. Why would they ever do that? How are they making money if they're, if they're telling people, don't do this? Well, it's the same psychology that plays behind pharmaceutical ads today. When they say, here's a pill, and if you take this pill, you'll never have a bad hair day. But you might have, and they go through five minutes of all the things that you are going to have if you take this pill. And you wonder, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Who's only listening to the five seconds and not the 25 seconds that follow all of that? What they found when they did the study is that for people that did not smoke and had never smoked, when they put those ads out with that warning, it did nothing. But for people that smoked, even when they presented an ad and said, do not smoke, or someone comes on and begins to speak about it, it did something in their mind, visually and psychologically, that made them want to do it. And so all this time, and you can, you can I, I have the books on my shelf in my office, all this time I thought, man, here's this industry that has to campaign against itself in its own advertisement, and all the while they knew, no, we're selling more than ever before in the reality of presenting these things. That's why someone sitting there eating a cheeseburger, your mind pretends it's just like they're doing it, and now you want to get up and go out and do something. That's the power of the effect on you. Here's what Paul said. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Philippians 4, 8, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Amen. Job said it this way when he said, I have made a covenant with mine eyes not to think upon a maid. He understood that sometimes you may not be able to control everything you see, but you can have a determination in your mind that you are going to make a distinction on what is permissible for you to see and to think on and what is not permissible for you to see and to think on. I'm going to tell you, it is altering us. It is dumbing us down. It is numbing us when we constantly set violence and immorality and homosexuality All right. yes. Amen. Right. in front of our eyes. Right. And then we come to church and say, yes, Lord, I want to live by your word and I want your word to work in my heart. But then we secretly go back and we rest. Our time of rest is entertainment. We don't find rest anymore in Bible reading and prayer. We find rest in allowing a bunch of people that could very likely be from the days of Babylon entertain us with their ideas of promiscuity and humor. And it comes off first as being funny, but it's subtle because if the enemy can get us to laugh at something, He's numbed us from the harsh reality of stuff in our life. 
Paul says this. It's shocking when he says it. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Somewhere along the line, we've got to make the determination of what we are going to allow before us. Now, I'm going to say some things that may seem radical to some, and it may seem radical to others. Ultimately, you've got to give an account for yourself before the Lord, and you're going to stand before the Lord and give an account. I have to give an account for my heart and for my life. My wife and I, we have internet in our home. We do watch certain things. We do sit down sometimes for fun and entertainment, and we do enjoy something together. But we are very careful. And what we are allowed to handle, even in education and communication, even in documentary and history, what we are allowed to handle as adults is often not appropriate for our toddler to be able to view or to be able to even hear in the other room. For this cause, for this, for this purpose, we have always decided that we will not have cable television or regular television in our home because we do not want to be putting something where we cannot control what's coming, where we can't look up what's coming, where we can't know what's coming, where we can't have control. Now today, these commercials are beyond regular television, and it's in places like Netflix, Hulu, YouTube, it's everywhere else. But I would hate, and it's frustrating when I pull up a sermon to watch on church in my own house to worship the Lord, and I have to mute the TV, and I have to stand in front of it so that my toddler does not see the horrible ideas that the world is forcing onto our children. But I still have to give an account for what comes in my home. And I have to reconcile what I see and what I dwell upon in my own home. If my son sees something that takes him down a dark road when he grows older, I am going to have to give an account before God. If I see something and I allow myself to be numb and just let it play through and not affect me anymore. I tell you, we can never get to that place. I'm not saying that we ought to have a hatred and an anger. I'm not saying that you should take a sledgehammer to a TV. That doesn't solve anything. But I am saying that your heart and the disposition of your spirit ought to be so that if it offends you, cut it off. It's not worth having. It's not worth bringing into my heart, into my home, and into my life. It's not worth upsetting the balance of my marriage. It's not worth it in my heart and in my soul. But when you allow true things and honest things and just things and pure things and lovely things and good report, there is a virtue and there is a praise, amen, and there is a joy that comes in your heart. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. First John 2 and 15 says it this way. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the father is not 
in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. He tells us, love not the world. Don't allow your spirit to have a love for the things of the world. He says, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Why are we coming to church? Because I'm trying to get the love of God inside of me. Don't undo everything God does on Sunday morning by the time you get home Sunday night. And then wonder why your marriage is a wreck Can I be pastor for a little bit? And your children are a wreck and everything else. Folks, this has happened for for generations upon generations upon generations. And I've seen people do this and I've seen people live this out. And we all have been guilty at some point, come on, of undoing what the Holy Ghost has done for us when we get out those doors somewhere else, and we've allowed something to happen inside of our heart. This is what he said. If the love of the world is in you, the love of the Father is not in you. What's in the world? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These things are not of the Father, but they are of the world. The lust of the flesh. Well, what are you talking about? Well, I think the obvious fact of the lust of the flesh is sexual immorality. Sexual immorality, promiscuity is at an all-time high. One of the reasons why so many people around the world think so ill of America is because largely their entertainment, they see American entertainment. My goodness, if you watch American entertainment and you run the, the stats and the figures of On American entertainment, the church is always shown in a negative light. It's amazing. It does not mirror the reality of of our culture and our civilization. It never has for uh, even divorced homes, even uh, 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 the LGBT community and all that stuff that they're forcing on us, folks. It is, it is, they make you think it's a larger segment of the world than ever. And then people, they're isolated, they go home, they keep their, their TV on 24-7, always got to have it on, got to have it running. And that stuff is constantly in front of you. Now you're isolated. You're not actually out here dealing with people in the world. And you think everybody is that way because you're susceptible to this thing and you're living in this false reality and then you think you're not the normal one. And if you get out and realize, hey, this isn't everybody's thinking this way. Everybody's not doing this thing. But things happen. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. What's the lust of the eye? Well, covetousness, seeing things that I want, I got to have. I got to keep up with them. Oh, they have that. I've got to have that. Isn't it amazing that people who... Uh, uh, people will spend money on frivolous material things that do not help you, that do not really increase the value of your life. Amen. Because I've got to have it because it's the end thing. Everybody else wants to have it. I had, and and I'm not going to get very far, but I got to tell this story. I had the very first, I wish I still had them. I had the very first Air Jordans ever. Nike Air Jordans. I had the very first pair. 
was probably 19, I don't know, probably 1989 when I got them. My cousin had them, wore them out, and uh, we, we weren't uh, financially so well off at that time. And so they, they, I got all of his old clothes, and I'd wear all of his old clothes. And I, I got these old tennis shoes here, and I was wearing these tennis shoes. They fit, and they were good until I outgrew them. They, weren't, they were broken, but they weren't like trashed. And I was wearing these around. I didn't even know what they were. I had no clue what they were. And I remember a guy at my school said, man, you got the first Air Jordans. Look at that. And now people spend hundreds of dollars for a shoe. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not upset on anybody that has Air Jordans. So if you have Air Jordans, I'm going to preach against Air Jordans. I'm just saying that people will spend hundreds of dollars for a shoe when they don't have hundreds of dollars, when they don't have other things. People go crazy. People get in fights over this. People, and this, you can pick a shoe, you can pick anything else. We all do it. We're human. That's humanity. Human. Well, I got to have what they have. I got to have what that is. And we're all trying to do this and we're trying to do this. And it really doesn't add any value to you. When you wear those shoes, people don't think, oh, wow, they're such a nicer person. They're such a better person now. Nobody goes, oh, wow, man, they've really arrived in life. They're just such a success. No, what happens when you wear the shoes? Well, you just add to the fray. Everybody's like, oh, man, I want those shoes. Nobody's thinking about you. They're thinking about how can I get those shoes? If he goes to sleep, how can I get those shoes off of him? And he won't know. I got to have the, come on, you know what I'm talking about? Jealousy is not pretty, folks. People don't look at your stuff. Have nice stuff. God's blessed you. Have nice stuff. Enjoy. Don't worry about that. But people don't look at your stuff and say, oh, wow, they're just so wonderful. Uh Uh-uh. If they're coming over and befriending you, it's because they want your stuff. They don't want you. (laughs) Right? You lose your stuff. See see what kind of friends you lose. Whatever. But the lust of the eyes, this is in the world. This is what, this is what gets us. We're crazed after things. You gotta have this. Gotta have this. Man, it's so liberating. It is so liberating when you crucify your flesh and you no longer have to be susceptible to the lust of the flesh. It is so liberating when you crucify your flesh and you don't have to be susceptible to the lust of the eye because I don't find my value in what someone else who's a sinner who needs God thinks about me. I found my value in the eternal creator of heaven and earth. It's so liberating when you crucify your flesh and you let go of the pride of life. Pride. What we're seeing, what we are seeing today in our world play out is an exercise of pride on a scale that we've never seen. The Bible says this, and the word of God is true. So this isn't me. This isn't my opinion. This isn't the editorial. This is the word of God. All contention comes about by pride. That's the word of God. Why are people hateful? Why are people fighting? Why are people going back? Because, because they have pride. Because people have pride in their heart. Because people have pride in their spirit. Because people have pride. And once one's offended, then that one's offended. And now it's the, the balance is, I've got, to, I've got to get this. And this give and take. There's never any reconciliation. There's never mercy. We will not see. We will not see unity and reconciliation in our nation until the pride issue is dealt with. And you don't deal with the pride issue apart from the cross. That is the word of God. That is what the Bible teaches. So what do we need? We need a revival. 
And he says this, he said, and the world passeth away. Put that up there in verse 17. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You know, the sad reality is this. When you love the world, that's going to pass away. The lust of the flesh. Oh, yeah, you'll get to a place. You'll grow old enough where all of a sudden that lust of the flesh is going to leave nothing for you. When sin is played out in your life and you've gone through everything, trust me, I've talked to the individuals. I've talked to the people who have been wrecked by immorality, homosexuality, homosexual and, 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 and prostitution rings, people that have been involved in that. They crawl back. Thank God for the mercy and the grace of God because they make their way back to the house of God. They come back to the presence of God and God refills them with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But man, they crawl their way back. Their life is nothing reduced to ashes. The pride of life, the lust of the eyes, that'll all fade away. Someday you'll be laying on a bed somewhere if God tarries and you live long enough. Before you make your exit, and I make this exit out of this life, life's going to be brought into perspective. And he says, the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You can't take your Air Jordans with you to heaven. You can't take your immoral relations with you to heaven. You can't take your pride with you to heaven. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So we've got to deal with the sin factor in media in our life. I've gone long enough. Stand together with me. We'll, we'll finish this up. We'll look at the connection between the eyes and the window of the soul. We'll look at the sexual revolution, how idolatry, nakedness, and sexual immorality always go together in the Bible. We'll look at the spirit of Babylon. We'll look at social media, the time factor, the health factor, and the safety factor. And then we'll look at what the Bible says about redeeming it. But media must be put into check in our life. If it controls you, if it offends you, the Bible says simply cut it off. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you tonight for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. And I pray, God, that nothing that I've said has come from my heart, my opinions alone, but let it be from the Word of God because it's the Word, the forever settled Word that gives us strength to stand upon. And I pray, God, that we could implement Your Word in our life. I pray that we could revisit it and examine our heart. I pray in our private time behind closed doors when no one else is watching, what are the decisions and the parameters that we have established for our own heart and our own life? What are those that we've established for our household and for our home? I pray in Jesus' name that you would give mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, the faith to make strong, godly decisions for their life. And I pray, God, that you would redeem the things that we have in our life for the glory and the honor of God. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we lift our hands and thank the Lord today? God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy, God, that's still reaching. I thank you for your grace. And I thank you for your power. Lord, I pray that you would be our shepherd in our life. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them you need a shepherd in your life. Come on, you need a shepherd in your life. Thank you for joining us online tonight.